0: how often have you faced this
1: so in Facebook I got a pop-up ad that said get this jacket for $9.99 it was a good brand and as soon as I clicked on that thing it took me to the app and then it was showing 2005 and took- so yeah these things happened so if I've tried to click on the cancel button or close the advertisement, instead of closing, sometimes it took me to another website or some application has taken me to the Play Store for me to download that application and use it.
2: I often see something extra added in the final purchase order. Oftentimes, it's an insurance or donation or something like this.
0: While transacting online, we frequently see messages that trigger a rush of urgency. Such as, only two rooms left, hurry. Or items in your cart will go out of stock soon. But how often are these real? Turns out, almost never. These are tactics known as dark patterns used by e-commerce platforms, brands and advertisers. They're used to push customers to make a purchase they may not have originally or fully intended to. But platforms may soon have to shun these dark patterns. Globally, the fight against deception through dark patterns has come under the spotlight.
2: All right. Well, the Federal Trade Commission renewed its pressure on big tech yesterday, this time setting its target on Amazon. Now, in a federal lawsuit, the FTC alleges that the online retail giant is breaking multiple consumer protection laws by tricking customers into signing up for its prime subscription service, thus making it difficult to cancel.
1: Just this month, the EU's consumer protection arm forced Amazon to make it easier to cancel prime subscriptions in Europe.
0: And India is not behind. The Central Consumer Protection Authority, which is the top watchdog for consumer rights issues, has now notified guidelines for prevention of dark patterns. So what are these dark patterns and how do they push you into loosening the purse strings or keep you trapped in a subscription? We hear from a UX designer who explains how dark patterns are webbed into the popular apps and websites that we frequent.
1: After the product is designed completely, then from uh, the top, we get the call that we have to add this one so we can manipulate the users, which I find somewhat unethical.
0: But as the pattern gets more pervasive, can the guidelines help? We speak to Pratik Wagre from the Internet Freedom Foundation to understand whether the new guidelines can be enforced effectively.
2: You have the guidelines, and on paper, you have the ability for people to approach an authority but if the mechanism doesn't really work or is creating too many obstructions oddly enough a dark pattern in itself
0: it's Thursday the 21st of December I'm your host Mukda from ET Prime and you're listening to the morning brief episode Can India Exercise Dark Patterns? In its new guidelines on dark patterns, the Central Consumer Protection Authority, also referred to as CCPA, has listed out several different examples of dark patterns and warned platforms from engaging in any of them. Listen in closely, you may have definitely encountered several of them. And while I list out these patterns, we will also get you voices from some consumers on their experience with some of these patterns. A very common dark pattern is false urgency, wherein a platform is falsely implying a sense of urgency or scarcity to mislead you into making an immediate purchase. For example, messages such as only two rooms left or 30 others are looking at this right now, or when a platform describes a sale as an exclusive sale for only a very limited time, all of this will count as false urgency. I always, always end up booking rooms or seats whenever I see an option like this. Uh, for example, if I'm looking for an early morning flight and there's only one flight which say is at the set time, which is convenient for me. And uh, in if there is a message which says that, you know, there are only two seats left, I will blindly just go for it because I don't want to risk it. Another dark pattern is basket sneaking which is when additional products or services are added to your basket at the time of checkout without your consent. For example, platforms automatically add travel insurance when you're purchasing a flight ticket or a train ticket.
2: While at times we don't mind and it's better to pay extra, especially in cases of IRCTC insurance, but it shouldn't come with a box tick already for us, we should have the choice the option should always be unticked even if it is there.
0: Confirm shaming is another pattern several platforms use in which they may use a phrase to create a sense of ridicule or guilt in the mind of the user to nudge them to act in a certain way. For example, when you don't include insurance in your cart while booking a flight ticket, you may be prompted by an alert that tells you that you will quote-unquote stay unsecured. Actually, when I book a
1: cab, So either for work or in general, you know, I'm usually in a rush and the cab takes way too long to arrive. So at that point in time, I usually want to cancel my ride and it gives me two options. One is yes, cancel the ride. And the other is wait for the driver. And I usually second guess my decision, whether I should actually wait to book another cab or switch to a different app or change my mode of transportation.
0: Another pattern is forced action in which a platform forces you into either buying an additional good or subscribing to a program or can even ask you to share your personal information.
2: Whenever I see an ad, I try to click it because it seems to be interesting. And as soon as I clicked on it, the Instagram algorithm told me that uh, these are your details and you're going through another website. I think that was something which was forced on me. I had to click on it to like proceed to that website.
0: A subscription trap is also a very common dark pattern. If you have subscribed to some online service, you would know how hard it is to cancel it. A subscription trap makes cancellation of your subscription almost impossible or a complex, confusing and lengthy process. Another evil dark pattern is interface interference, wherein the platform manipulates the user interface. For example, you would have seen that the option for selecting no for a particular pop-up is in a light-coloured box and sometimes the X icon on the top right corner of a pop-up screen which is meant to close that screen instead leads to another page or opens up another advertisement. Every time I try to click on the X button, but it never closes. Instead, it directs me to another page, which I am not interested in. And usually I've noticed this pattern that it only happens when I'm in the middle of a very important work where I'm, you know, completely into it. And then something like this happens. It does get you distracted, right? It does get you distracted with what you're doing. So yes, it is quite irritating when this happens. A recent survey by community platform Local Circles showed that 70% of users who book flight tickets or hotel rooms online face dark patterns such as hidden charges, false urgency, price manipulation and more. So, why do platforms embed such dark patterns in their apps? Does it boost consumer engagement? And how can we distinguish dark patterns from the genuine ones? I talked to a UX designer from an agency which works on the user experience design for several top consumer internet platforms. This person has requested anonymity and so will be morphing his voice. Thank you so much for joining us. And can you start by telling us where do the dark patterns originally emerge from? Is it the platform and the brand who direct the UX designer to add these patterns into the app, which then, you know, confuse the user or push them in a certain direction?
1: So what happens is they have to sell a product. It is the call of a marketing team or the CFO, CMO, which derives to take this action or add this feature into the product. Like uh, telling something like only few seats are available, you are missing out on this. So this is a call taken by the upper management.
0: So could you give me an example of a recent brief from any client who pushed you to add such dark patterns?
1: I can, I can tell you recent one. So I was working with an ad tech platform. So, we have designed a new feature where students can enroll in a batch, particular batch. So, suppose there are around 2,000 students in one batch. To enroll in that, we have told students that uh, this is a limited batch of 2,000 people. And the relationship will be start in two days and it will end in the next five days. So, on the first day, we told that uh, relationship has started already. And the second day, we told them that out of uh, seats are already booked for this batch, but initially only 200 students registered for it. But we uh, put a false information that 600 <laughs> students were already enrolled. Then on the second day, we told them that there are only 1,200 ships left. Only 400 students were only into the batch. So numbering was false. The students were confused. They thought that they are missing out on this batch. So they started enrolling in the batch quite frequently. And we actually closed it on, I guess, 1,200 students. And we told them the batch is full.
0: Wow. You know, you work with multiple brands across different sectors. How effective are these dark patterns in bringing in customers?
1: Yes, because they think that uh, they are missing out on something. For example, if I tell them uh, that already 200 seats are full out of uh, 250, but initially there are only like 60-70 entries about that uh, particular batch. so the number actually gets boosted up quite easily because of this uh, false numbering. And actually, uh, we we get the batches full quite easily because of this.
0: So in your experience as a UX designer, how often do you find yourself designing elements which you know are clearly dark patterns?
1: As a user experience designer, when we design our product, we study the market, then we study the user pattern. After the product is designed completely, then from uh, the top, we get the call that we have to add this one so we can manipulate the users. Which I find somewhat unethical. So like it's only 10-20% of time which this happens. But it happens on a regular basis.
0: And as a designer, do you know if the information is false? Is that information available to you that there are actually 600 seats left but the app is showing only 100 left? Would you be aware of that?
1: Not. Every time I'm aware of it. Sometimes I'm not aware of it. So depends upon the product manager and the other on the upper end that they would provide us information and the data is in the database. So, if the DBA or administration gave us the data, we can easily find out that this is a false information. So, sometimes we are aware, sometimes we are not.
0: On some platforms, if you want to close a pop-up box, the X symbol is either very small or not visible. And sometimes when you click on it, it opens another page. So, do designers also get asked to do these kind of things a lot?
1: Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, these uh, types of tactics are only used in uh, small-scale industries where the funding is low and they have to run this through their ad campaigns. So the money is flowing into their accounts. So these are not some tactics that um, like big fishes like um, MNZs use. So These tactics are mostly used when the page is revenued through the ad.
0: So could you give us any tips to figure out what is a dark pattern and what is actually genuine? From your experience, are there any signs we should look out for?
1: So, make sure that when you are in, you don't accept all the cookies. Then, when you are checking out, check all the tick marks or the checkbox that they are providing to you. When you are trying to buy a subscription or something like that, make sure you don't save your card details while paying for that subscription. And don't click on each and every poster or ad you see on a website. That would be a great option, and uh, don't fall for uh, only few stocks left or uh, only limited offer available, because the offer will be again and again. You will see in upcoming month or so. Which
0: don't uh, don't fall for FOMO tactics. Sir. Yes, yes. Uh, but some consumers are now becoming aware and giving their feedback and rating their experience either on the app or on the app store. So has customer experience become a focus area now for brands and platforms?
1: Yes, yes, a lot of companies are doing that right now because they are losing customer base. Because of that, they are getting poor ratings on uh, website like on their apps, on Play Store and App Store. They take this feedback every time. And actually, as a user experience, I was now I'm getting the feedback on my products again and again to improve this and that so user can uh, access the, the, this data or this particular section uh, more effectively. So, those actually work very well.
0: But even while consumers need to be careful, it's important that the authorities look to rein in these unabashed tactics that often are literally duping consumers. And Indian regulators are clearly on the watch. Just last month, the CCPA reportedly sent notices to Amazon over the alleged use of dark patterns, to trick customers into purchasing Amazon Prime memberships. The new guidelines are also being seen as a good start. But how effective will they really be? I asked Pratik Waghre, Executive Director of the Internet Freedom Foundation, which has engaged with the government on the issue and had sent in its submissions during the process of the drafting of the guidelines. Pratik, thank you so much for joining us. And we finally have some guidelines to regulate dark patterns. But how effectively do you think these can be enforced? Say if tomorrow a platform continues to engage in dark patterns, what is the action that can be taken against them?
2: Yeah, so I think some of that at this stage is not uh, 100% clear. So what happened with the whole process was when the first set of draft guidelines were put forth, there was a clause in there about violating the Consumer Protection Act. When the final ones were notified, that clause has gone away. It is unclear in terms of what really happens when platform or a site or some service is found to be repeatedly violating some of the patterns that are identified and listed in the guidelines themselves. There is a little bit of a gray area at this stage. It will be helpful to have to have clarity from the ministry on that. But you know, in terms of a starting point, I think you know, we're at a good starting point in the sense that there is now at least a clear signal two various platforms, two websites, two services, etc. That look, you know, these type of practices are under the scanner. If you look at the framework of carrot sticks and sermons in public policy, it's not necessarily a bad thing to start with sermons rather than a stick, as we tend to do in in many different contexts. Because look, when you're wielding a stick, you also have to have the ability to wield it effectively. And then that goes into other other problems, other issues.
0: So, like you said, there is no stick yet. uh, And you talked about specifically the fact that there was a clause in the draft guidelines which said that any contraventions would be kind of addressed through the provisions of the Consumer Protection Act, which lists out certain penalties, including imprisonment for a few months for any kind of violation. But that has been done away with in the final guidelines. So as of now, there is no strict enforceability of these guidelines, right? Correct,
2: correct. I think that we sort of sought some clarity from the ministry as well, because you know it was probably not helpful to have penalties and the threat of imprisonment in there. It's still a little ambiguous in the sense that now there is no clarity on what penalties, if any, can apply.
0: So yes, some clarity is needed on the penalty. But what further clarity are organizations like yours seeking to ensure that there is no ambiguity with these guidelines?
2: Yeah, so I think there are a couple of uh, aspects. You have to recognize that this is now entering a area where you already have potentially sectoral regulators that uh, are already playing a role, right? So, if you look at the insurance context, uh, you'll have IRDAI, right? In the advertising con- context, you have you have the Advertising Standard Council of India. Now, different bodies have different levels of enforceability already, right? Right. So, it's not exactly clear where these guidelines fit, how that regulatory overlap will uh, will play out. There is need for, I think, more clarity, more discussion on that front. I think it, it's important to recognize that this is not—it's not necessarily an easy ask for the ministry. I, I think we should be fair to them when they're making this attempt. I don't think this is easy to really spell out in in, in very clear terms or in black and white. But in terms of these aspects of or or some guidance in terms of where these will apply, where it will not apply, when penalties may be applicable, what kind of penalties may be applicable, as you pointed out. Uh, the Consumer Protection Act has bits about imprisonment in there. If let's say these were to be revised again and some penalties are brought back, how would those work, right? And then how would that be designed in terms of will there be a threshold of organizational sizes? So there, there is, I think, still room for more specifics on this front. You know, at least as a civil society organization, the way we're looking at it at this stage is that look, this is the first step. We've gone from a place where there was in, in a sense uh, a, a vacuum of sorts. Now we've gone to a state where uh, at least there is some signaling and some set of identified patterns already. Uh, that list will likely will likely need to keep expanding. But you have at least a direction going to platforms etc. That Look, we, we need to be careful about these sorts of practices because they are now being watched and evaluated.
0: So Prateek, then you said that this is a good first step towards addressing the issue. What do you think should the next steps be
2: I, I guess you know there isn't like a single next step probably be a combination of things i think clarity uh, will will certainly help i think what also needs to happen is perhaps a look at the existing grievance redressal mechanisms that are already being operated how well they function how they need to be either strengthened or expanded in this scenario right i think there needs to be an evaluation of that as well and then to understand where the gaps are and how uh, how they can be improved because if there are many layers of friction in that process, then uh, you again have a situation where look you know you, you have these guidelines and you have on paper you have the ability for people to approach an authority, but if the mechanism doesn't really work or is creating too many obstructions oddly enough a dark pattern in itself, so then there is that aspect of it. There's another point that uh, we as an organization are specifically concerned about is in terms of look how this applies in the context of, uh, of privacy online, right? Because now a number of dark patterns also go into this thing of, you know, the whole broader data economy and in, in collecting information. And not not all of that is online. You also see that happening uh, in physical spaces in terms of collecting uh, phone numbers. And if that's something that uh, uh, you look at it from the lens of dark patterns, it, it might be beneficial because the way our current data protection act is... Uh, if defined, it doesn't cover that at all, leaving that as a uh, as, right. as a void in a sense.
0: That's a good point, Prateek, because I was just reading up and even in the European Union, dark patterns have been covered under their Digital Services Act and that is how they're looking to address the issue. So is there a need even in India to include dark patterns uh, in the Data Protection Act or in the Digital India Act when it comes out? Will that really be more effective?
2: The thing to keep in mind about the DSA that it, it evolved over a period of a period of years, it's a lot of input, a lot of feedback, uh, and and many iterations. It's hard for me to say whether at this stage, at least, given what we know about the uh, the forthcoming uh, Digital India Bill, whether that is the right instrument for it, because we don't really know much at this point. Sitting where I am, it's difficult for me to say whether that is a good framework in itself to consider dark patterns. But I think the broader point remains that dark patterns will be a horizontal consideration. It's not going to be, it's not only going to be a vertical consideration.
0: Right. And as we speak, there's also some news that the European Commission is evaluating whether X, which is formerly Twitter, may have breached their Digital Services Act in several different areas, including in dark patterns. And of course, In the US, Amazon is already being investigated for alleged dark patterns. So, are there such parallels or such precedents in the US and EU where strict action has been taken against large companies for indulging in dark patterns?
2: There have been instances where companies have been fined by the various equivalents of their data protection authorities in in those countries for collecting customer information and stuff like that. Uh, But I don't think it's necessarily been looked at to a large extent, from the dark patterns perspective, I you know I, I could be wrong. There could be a knowledge gap. I'll, I'll admit that. The reason I'm leaning towards that is the whole thing thinking of dark patterns is still still evolving, right? Like for example, the FTC submission then guideline process etc. was you know early to mid 2022. So it's not been that long uh, that uh, their guidelines have been in place, and their investigation also take time as such. So to my knowledge, I'm not sure of you know I'm not aware of this happening specifically with the dark patterns.
0: The web of dark patterns is thick and wide. Like Prateek said, these practices are also rampant offline. For example, I recently had gone to a multi-brand outlet to shop for apparel and there were several items on discount. But then when I went to the checkout counter, they asked me for my phone number. And when I refused to share it, they said that the discounts are going to be available only to those who share their phone numbers and become members. So these practices are everywhere. And they cut across sectors from travel and hotels to e-pharma to financial services, OTT, telecom and almost every other consumer facing platform. So while the guidelines are welcome, enforcement will be key. That's all in this episode. I'm Mugdha Varier, and you're listening to The Morning Brief. This episode was produced by Sumit Pandey with sound editor Indranil Bhattacharji. The executive producers are Anupriya Nair, Anirban Chaudhary, and Arijit Barman. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, do share it on your social media networks. A new episode of The Morning Brief podcast drops every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. It streams on Amazon Prime Music. GeoSavan, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And of course, on ET's own audio platform, ET Play. All clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits are mentioned in the description.